Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. So priority number one this is the title. We're going to be looking at Matthew 6, 33, and it reads, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a good word right there. We don't have to go any further. Yes, we do. But, <laughs> but that is a good word. Uh, we want to understand the importance of the kingdom of God and seeking it above everything else. This is not about proximity. We don't share first place. He doesn't want to be first among many. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, let's get some context. Matthew is the first gospel, um, an account of Jesus' life and ministry in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew, and in Matthew, Jesus teaches people what it means to be a part of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. He is uh, betrayed and crucified. He raises again and commissions his disciples to spread the good news of the gospel. The apostle Matthew, who is traditionally credited with writing the book of Matthew, seems to have written the gospel to a Christian audience, and they were either Jewish or highly familiar with Jewish traditions. Matthew presents Jesus as the Messiah, the promised descendant of King David, who would bring God's kingdom to earth and establish a time of peace and justice. Matthew quotes the Old Testament extensively and places special emphasis on Jesus and the fulfillment of the prophecies. Uh, which we have, which would have been important to the Jewish people of that time. Matthew tells the story of Jesus with an emphasis on his role as Messiah and Christ. Here we find in this passage of scripture in the middle of Jesus's sermon on the mount. Uh, and that starts in actually chapter five and it goes into chapter six and um, ends in, uh, goes into chapter seven of Matthew. And in chapter 6 of the NIV version, I don't know what you have, it has subtitles within chapter 6. And so it opens with giving to the needy. Then it has a subtitle about prayer, fasting, treasures in heaven. And it, then it says, do not worry. And so this passage of scripture is under that subtitle in the NIV version. I don't know if the King James has those subtitles. but um, And it says, and starting in verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Take note of that because we're going to focus on that a little bit later. About your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? In verse 31, it reads, So do not worry. Again, telling you not to worry. Didn't we hear that message earlier today about not worrying? <laughs> uh, so do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, or I think in the King James it says Gentiles, run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. It doesn't say God in that, that scripture. He says your heavenly Father. More, more intimate, because God is our Father. You know, as, as we have an earthly Father, our earthly Father takes care of us. He sees after us. He Take care of our needs. A good earthly father would. Even a bad earthly father would do that. <laughs> uh, but he says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. So then we see ourselves at Matthew 6, 33. And let's unpack that a little bit. And it starts with the 
verse, the word but. <laughs> a lot of good things start with but. But, but, and this is the connective or adversative particle, meaning that sometimes what is in front of the but may differ from what is behind the but. <laughs> he said, so, because he says in verse 32, he says, but the pagans run after these things, or the Gentiles run after these things. Your heavenly father knows you have need of them. But, so he says, something is going to differ from what was just said, possibly, or make you think about, or challenge what was just said. He said, but seek ye first. Not second, not first among many, not... Um, whatever place it may wind up being in your life. It says, but seek ye first. And first is important because a lot hinges on seeking first. Seems like everything, all these things, hinges on seek ye first. Someone gave an example of uh, baseball, and if, you, if you're a runner and you hit the bat, hit the ball, sorry, hit the bat, hit the ball, <laughs> And you're a good hitter, you hit it over the fence, and you skip first base. You don't tag first base, but you tag second and third, and you get the home. That nullifies everything else, right? Because you didn't tag, you didn't, you have to hit first base. You have to, in order for everything else to matter. And so we have to seek ye first, because everything else is going to hinge on that seeking the kingdom first. The definition of first in the Greek is first. I don't have nothing special to say about that. <laughs> it is a great earnest and concern as being the principal thing, meaning that it's first. I'll go back to the word seek. It is inquiring, investigating, uh, researching, coming to the bottom of the matter. This is not just the research just to be researching and you'll never get to the bottom of the matter. This searching, seeking is you seek and you will find the bottom. You will find what matters and you want to meditate and uh, inquire on that thing and focus on that. This is seek ye first the kingdom of God. So let's, let's, let's camp out there for a minute. The kingdom of God. So when you think of a kingdom, you think of Someone who has a kingdom which uh, takes up some property or land or some realm, uh, and it has a king that rules. And the kingdom of God would make sense that, that that king would be Jesus or God, and he would rule over his kingdom. And that, king, that kingdom is outward, and that kingdom is inward. The kingdom of God, in Psalms 103, one. 19 says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all, not some, not a few, (laughs) but all. His kingdom rules over all. It is established in heaven and rules over all. Daniel 5 and 21 reads, he was driven away from people and given the mind. This is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like an ox, and his body was drenched with dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. Now, let's just let's, let's read that again, <laughs> uh, that latter part that, uh, the most high God is sovereign over all kingdoms 
on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. So I know in America we are lulled into thinking that we have a lot of control and that what we do matters, and it does to a certain extent. <laughs> Uh, but what we do in the kingdom matters most. And so we cannot concern ourselves with worldly leadership. God is in control. I can't debate, I don't like this guy and I wish he wasn't. So you're saying God made a mistake. Is that what we're saying? Because he said, the, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading the word. I'm, maybe I should read something else. The word says <laughs> that, on earth, and he sets over them anyone he wishes. He sets over them. Our God sets over them anyone he wishes. So maybe people you like, or maybe people you dislike. He sets over them anyone he wishes. So therefore, if we are worldly-minded, then our attitude will change based off of who God sets. Because God sets them. But if I'm spiritually minded, I know that God is doing the setting. So I always have joy no matter who's in, who, who has power because ultimately God is in control. Right? That's how I see it. <laughs> Luke 17, 20, 21 says, Jesus says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Right, So the kingdom of God is without us. It's a realm. It sits in heaven. It oversees the earth. And then Luke says the kingdom of God is also within you. Psalms 103 and 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. That kingdom is the region in my life that must have Jesus reign. It's that reason that says I must be born again. Because if I didn't need that kingdom within me, I, didn't, I wouldn't need to be born again. But I need to be born again to have Jesus rule in my heart. So he doesn't just rule outwardly, but he rules inwardly. He rules our thoughts. He rules our feelings and our emotions. He ruled in me. Unfortunately, when I got into an argument and then Wednesday when I had to apologize, it was him ruling and saying, hey, you need to apologize. Uh, he ruled when he said, hey, you need to give this to him. And I was obedient in that fact. He wants to rule outwardly, and ultimately he wants to rule in men's hearts. The kingdom is eternal. Daniel 4.3 says, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. The kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. It goes on forever. When does eternity start? Is it, can anybody answer that? <laughs> and when does it end? <laughs> It's eternal. Come on. Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp that. Etern we are living eternally right now. Second uh, Peter 1, 10 through 12 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Sure. I think that's the New Testament. Uh, I mean, uh, King James Version says election. Sure. Mine just says election. <laughs> for if you do these things, you will never stumble if you receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So it is eternal. It does not end. Whereas earthly kingdoms will end. Earthly rules in America, they have four-year cycles. And in some countries, they rule for 20, 30 years, some a year. Who knows? Uh, but his rule is eternal. And so what earthly rule is just a speck of dust to what 
God's rule is. It goes on forever. The kingdom, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So when, when talking about the kingdom of God, some people ask, well, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? What does that mean? Um, and we're going to look at that. His kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Remember that old song, Righteousness, Peace, and Joy? Ron Canoli, yeah, I know it. I'm old. <laughs> uh, Romans 14, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating. Remember that? It says, look at that. Eating, meat, or some people say meat, some virgins say meat. Not eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go to chapter 14 of Romans. Romans is my favorite book in the Bible, by the way. Or at least one of my favorites. It is, it is top. <laughs> I like them all, but yeah, Romans has a special place. Uh, Romans is good stuff. Uh, so Romans, I I printed out a couple of versions that I like, and I printed out. I guess I printed the whole chapter out because <laughs> um, I like I like the uh, Message Bible and how it is worded. And you know, the Message Bible can be somewhat wordy, and sometimes things can be missed uh, in translation. I think this version does it justice. And what I wanted to uh, get across. So we're going to camp out in Romans 14 and talk about the kingdom of God and what was going on during this time. Let me give you a little context about uh, Romans. Romans is, is written by the Apostle Paul. I think it's his masterpiece. <laughs> uh, it explains God's plan of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul passed on the truths that are followed even today by believers. And so. Uh, it's, it's constructed summary of Christian theology. It's carefully constructed summary of Christian theology. Um, so we're going to look at Romans 14 in conjunction with talking about the kingdom of God. And so we're going to camp out a little bit. This is uh, my the Message Bible says cultivating good relationships. Uh, I think the NIV says the weak and the strong. I don't know. The King James does it have a title of that chapter. No, maybe I didn't look at it. But all right, we're going we're going to read the message. All right, starting in verse 1, it says, Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> Wasn't that me? <laughs> Welcome fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems like they are strong on opinions but weak in faith in the faith department. That's a good word, y'all. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. For instance, a person who has been around for a while might be well convinced that he can eat anything on the table, while another with a different background might assume he should only be a vegetarian and eat accordingly. But since both are guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if they fell into criticizing what the other ate or didn't eat. That's good, y'all. That's good. We could, t- we could talk about a whole lot more than food uh, when it comes to this. <laughs> God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off God's list or interfering with God's welcome? That's deep, y'all. Do you have any business crossing out people who were invited to God's table, God's table. Uh, if there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. 
<laughs> I like the message Bible. It's giving you a read, ain't it? <laughs> that God can handle it. You stay, keep stay in your lane. Let God take care of it. Or say one person thinks that some days should be set aside as holy, and another thinks that each day is pretty much like the other. There are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow the convictions of their conscience. What's important in all of this is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat it to the glory of God and thank God for the prime rib. <laughs> if you're a vegetarian, eat vegetables to the glory of God and thank God for the broccoli. <laughs> None of us are permitted to insist. Yeah, it's, the message just get real detailed in there. I know he didn't say prime rib or broccoli, but I like that it gives me that image <laughs> because it makes it. It brings it home. None of us are permitted to insist on our own way in these matters. It's God we answer. It's God we are answerable to, all the way from life to death and everything in between. Not each other. That's why Jesus lived and died and then lived again, so that we could be our masters across the entire range of life and death, and free us from the petty tyrannies of each other. That's good, y'all, because we can challenge and argue and fuss and disagree about any and everything, and we can get caught up in the world system and bring those arguments of the world right into church. And then we are at each other's throats, and churches are separating because of the world, (laughs) not because of what Christ did, but we're arguing about stuff that doesn't matter. And there's so many things. I won't name them. There's so many things that really don't matter that trickles his way into the church. And sometimes you'll see it even preached from the pulpit and even people are teaching it and making it a principle. And it's like, it's, that's not even in the Bible. Um, <laughs> that wasn't, that is nothing. We are making issues when God said there shouldn't be any issues. So where does this, uh, verse starting in verse 10, says, so where does this leave you when you criticize a brother? And where does that leave you when you condescend to a sister? I'd say it leaves you looking pretty silly, or worse, eventually you'll be going to end, eventually you're going to end up kneeling beside by side in the place of judgment facing God. Your critical and condescending ways aren't doing, aren't going to improve your position there one bit. Read it for yourself in the scripture. As I live and breathe, God says, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will tell the honest truth that I and I, only I am God. So mind your own business. This is, the, this is what the message Bible says. So mind your own business. You've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God, not trying to take care of somebody else's. Message is reading us today, y'all. <laughs> So at verse 13, forget about deciding what's right to each other. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to be concerned about, that you don't get in the way of someone else, making life more difficult than it already is. I'm convinced, Jesus convinced me, that everything as it is in itself is holy. We, of course, by the way we treat it or talk about it, can contaminate it. If you confuse others by making a big issue over what they eat or don't eat, you no longer are a companion with them in love, are you? 
these, remember, are persons for whom Christ died as well. Would you risk sending them to hell over an item in their diet or something that just fulfills their flesh? Don't you dare let peace with God, with God, don't you dare let a piece of God's blessed food become an occasion for soul poisoning. God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sake. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. Your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Single-mindedly serve Christ. Do that and you will kill two birds with one stone, pleasing God above all, and proving your worth to the people around you. That's a good word. It's a good word. That is looking at the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is not arguing or bickering in the kingdom. And it is easy, it may be hard for us to uh, take that in because we, we have become a part of this world system. And I don't know when, at what time in life you accepted Christ in your life, and now you're having to learn anew. And now you're having to take off the old man and put on the new man. And now you're having to renew your mind. And now you're having to think about the way I did things doesn't represent the kingdom. And I need to do something different now. I need to, I live a different life because I'm seeking the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. So that kingdom, like I said, included righteousness, peace, and joy. The righteousness is not just morally good righteousness, but God's justice and righteousness. It's probably God's judicial approval, the verdict of approval, the approval of God's, uh, of his divine approval. Uh, Romans 3, starting at verse 21, it reads, But now the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith, and Jesus Christ to all on all who believe, for there is no difference, there's no Jew nor Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation of sacrifice or atonement by his blood. So the righteousness he's talking about is what Christ did on the cross. It is that righteousness that is the kingdom that we should seek. We should seek after that. And that is what keeps us in unity. If we're focused on this and not on what the world is talking about, then we're unified in this righteousness. And this righteousness is not something that we earn, of course, but it's something that he gave for all of us freely, and we must believe and accept it. Romans 4 says, Now it is not written for the sake alone that it was imputed upon him, but also for us, it's talking about Abraham, Romans 4, 23. It says it is imputed righteousness on us. So we don't deserve it, y'all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't deserve. I have, we've all sinned and fallen short and we realize we have no glory. But because of what Christ's work did on the cross and his blood covering me, then he has imputed righteousness on me. So now I can say I am the righteousness of God through faith, faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the only way that I can be righteous in his sight and that he will receive me in his kingdom is that I accept that and live under that righteousness that he's given me. 
and all our arguing and quarreling and disagreements or whatever else that we can do to divide ourselves, God makes it clear that the cross is for all believers and that we are all on the same playing field. No matter how wealthy or how poor, no matter what color your skin is, no matter where you were born, he died for everyone. Is that true? Right? I want to make sure. <laughs> he died for us all. And his righteousness and imputed to us. We don't, we can be self-righteous, but that's not going to get you into heaven. <laughs> but his righteousness is accepting what he did on the cross. His peace uh, is joined together. It's the same peace that you find in Hebrews. We talk about uh, the gifts of the fruit of the spirit. His peace, his peace is properly wholeness. It is the essential parts joined together. Peace, God's gift of wholeness. Let me say that again. Peace is God's gift of wholeness. One's peace is not just quietness or rest, which is good because we need to rest in our our mind and we need harmony as well. But it is making you whole. And we are made whole because we are at peace with God. God is not looking at us as adversaries, but he looks at us as his children now. And what peace does that give you to know that I'm not adversarial to our God? And somebody said in the song, I remember saying that uh, I'd rather be in the hand of an angry God than not in his hand at all. And how true that is, because if I'm not in God's hand, where am I? I need to be in his hand. Whether he's angry or he is not angry, because he sees the blood covering us and he sees his son Jesus in us. And so he loves us. And he is at peace with us. Because of what Christ did on the cross. So we have righteousness, peace. Oh, let me read this. So, 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 uh, uh, talking about peace, it says, there is a lot of folks that are looking for tranquility. And they're going through circumstances that are very tiring. Uh, and they will like a little psychological or emotional relief, don't we? That's the peace we want. They liked a little peace. Paul is not, however, talking about tranquility alone. Peace with God means that we have we don't have hostility between God and man, not simply tranquility of mind, which we're looking for. That tranquility and these flow from knowing that God is not hostile towards us. I have peace knowing that I have a God who is working in my favor and not against me. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. For the world is working against me. The world is trying to fight all that I have in me. Um, but he is greater. And he is working on my behalf. To have righteousness, peace, and the kingdom of God is joy. Is joy is just joy. <laughs> it is delight. It is favor that leans towards God. Grace or God's favor is this joy. We have joy because of his grace. We have joy because of Jesus. We have joy because of the finished work of the cross. We have joy because of deliverance from sin. We have joy because my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I have joy because of the love of the saints, because of the brotherings within, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. I have joy because God knows the depths of my heart, and he loves me the same. Does that not give you joy? <laughs> that he knows me inward and outwardly. 
and yet he still sent his son to die for me. Let's make it personal and for you as well. And he loved and he knew all of the, your mess ups and hiccups in life and he still said you're worth dying for. He knew all your problems you were going to have and all your shortcomings and he said you're worth dying for. That gives me great joy, y'all. <laughs> uh, because sometimes you don't feel worthy. This is just me. You know, I don't feel worthy. But no matter, and I think I've done this example, $20 is $20. If you put it on the street, if you put it in the mud, if you sprinkle crack on it, it's still $20 and it still has the same value. <laughs> Man, I want to be real. Because we will um, value people because they've done some things in their life. Or they're messed up. Or they're sitting on the street and they look a little strange. And we say, oh, that person isn't may not be worthy of you speaking to. It may not be, and we decide that we're not going to share the gospel to them, and Christ has invited them. And now we're determining who comes to the table, right? We're making the decision that they're not worth coming to the table. And Jesus is saying, I die for you all. And this is a gross example, <laughs> uh, but no matter have a little bit of poo in a glass or a lot. I don't want either one. <laughs> and so you may think, well, I just got a little sin, and you think I got a lot of sin, and God is saying, I don't want either glass. <laughs> You're not going to say, oh, well, no. No, you don't want either one, right? So let's not get self-righteous into thinking, well, my sin is a little bit less, or what I came from a better background, or, or I had my parents both. God is saying, I died for every one. I died for everyone. No matter what their background looked like, what they came from, I died for them. And if we accept this righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom, if we seek this first, meaning that it is priority one, then all these things that the Father knows, our Father, our Heavenly Father knows we have need, He will add them to you. Woo, that's good, y'all. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump down. I think I'm running long, long today. <laughs> it is um, back to the message Bible. It gives us, it says, uh, looking at Matthew 6, 30 and 33, it says, if God give such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen. <laughs> Don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in that. He will take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God, and the way he works, fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God's reality, putting him first. God's initiative, God's provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. He knows 
you have need before you need it. And it hinges on us seeking him first. Putting the kingdom first. The main thing, the main thing, which is Christ, his, his, his uh, dying on the cross for our sin, his joy, his peace that he's given us. And he's given us, and we can, because of his peace he's given us, we don't have to be quarrelsome with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Mark 4, 18 says, still others, uh, this is talking about the, the, the parable of the sower. This is a good parable. I don't, I, I wanted to go into it, but I'm not. Uh, it says, still others like seeds sown, uh, this is verse 18, still others like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of the of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word out of us. And that is what he says, I want to take care of that so that you don't get caught up in the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire of other things and the worries of life. Seek the kingdom so that that stuff don't choke the word out of you. And I'm going to take care of all the other stuff. And Solomon is a good example because Solomon asked for a wisdom. He could ask for anything. He asked for wisdom, and God gave him all the other stuff. And so in that, I want to encourage you to seek him first. Let's stand to our feet and close in prayer. And then uh, I think Jackie's going to dismiss us, but I do want to pray. Um, Dear Lord, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for the word. We thank you for uh, seeking your kingdom first. And it all hinges on that. Uh, So many times we do get caught up in the world and wealth and we've been fooled into thinking that that's more important than you. Uh, But let, let our hearts be turned towards you today. And let all that we are within and without be focused on you and your kingdom. And let us rest assured that you're going to take care of everything else. Even the minor things at work and even our family and our children and our wives and our husbands and, and extended family, you're going to take care of that, Lord God. And it is my job to just seek you first. So I make you priority one right now. Um, I don't know what I know what you did yesterday. You might have been below it, priority 12. Uh, but we're going to change that today and going forward that we in every day, in every situation, make you number one. And that our focus is on you and your kingdom and sharing your kingdom with others. And that you're going to take care of all our needs because you're our heavenly father. So we thank you. We're grateful because of your grace and your mercy towards us, and we just love and appreciate you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, brother. Can I can I go back to that twenty dollar bill for a second? Yes. Go right <laughs> if you're on the other side of that twenty dollar bill, and maybe you've been dropped on the floor, maybe you've been swept out the door, maybe you've been driven over in the highway. God made you in his image. That's what gives you value. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you have value. 
you are worthy. And when somebody comes along and picks up that dirty, torn, crumpled $20 bill and takes it to the place where they know the value, they take it to the bank, what do they get for that $20 bill? They get $20. doesn't matter. So God values you, and he gives you your value. Amen. Ask the prayer team to come up, please. Thank you. We appreciate these guys. Been looking forward to being able to come back and and pray with them and be blessed with them. And uh, let's uh, let's speak our blessing over you this week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. And we often say, go in peace today, go in peace this week. And from what Virgil told us today, go in God's gift of wholeness this week. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Spirits out, rushing wind, fire of God. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.